Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Two weeks ago, I told y'all that we needed to live a holy life. And I gave some people some homework, and I'm still getting that in. And thank y'all for everybody that did the homework. Um, I, I had asked everybody to to kind of concentrate on the three points that was made in that on how to live a holy life. We we looked at the Bible where it said to live a holy life, you have to think clearly and exercise self-control. You have to look forward with joyous anticipation of the good things to come. Or we can say you must have hope. That's what hope is, is joyous anticipation. And then we also said that we needed to repent, but you can't repent if you don't go check the corners of your pastures. You've got to ride all the way over there because, I mean, sin will, it, it can hide in the lowest spot or in the smallest brush. So we talked about going and, and checking the corners of our lives. And then I had asked some people to uh, document how that went. And you know what? Of all of them that I got back, let me summarize without getting personal. Let me summarize everybody's. I did good once, messed up a lot, and I'm trying harder. And, and, and But that's the way it goes. I mean, living a holy life is, is, is kind of like developing a callus. It's really, really hard at first, and it's sore, and it's tough, and everything like that. But the more you get going with it, you can, you can do better. Last week... You know, I, I told everybody about how to fight the good fight, you know. I mean, and that's what it is. When you try to live a holy life, it's kind of like you're going downstream. You're just floating downstream, and when the logs come by, it ain't no big deal. You're just kind of going right along with them. But what happens if you turn around and try to go upstream? That's what living a holy life is. And when you turn from the world's ways and you start walking the way of Christ, suddenly you're going against the flow. And where life used to be pretty... Pretty easy, just take it as it goes, blah, blah, blah. Now, now it's a fight just to stay up sometimes. And we, we learned how to fight the good fight. It's two things. It's not exclusive to these two things, but two of the main things is cling to your faith and keep your conscience clear. If you do those two things, you are fighting the good fight. It doesn't have anything to do with going to church more. It doesn't have anything to do with suddenly spending nine hours a day in prayer. Man, just cling to your faith. Hold on to God all day long. Tie hard and fast to Him and keep your conscience clear. Today, we're going to talk about the hard way. I got a call from my dad yesterday. He is horseback in a West Texas pasture. Seriously. He calls me up. He goes, hey, what are you doing? I was like, nothing. What are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm in that pasture by the interstate for John Doris, and I'm gathering cattle. I was like, and you wanted to call me now? He goes, yeah, i got to tell you something. You know it's funny when your dad calls you horseback from the pasture. And I said, what's going on? He said, well, you know uh, you know that pasture that we're in along the interstate where the roadside park is? I said, yeah, I was told a story about that pasture one time. He said, well, Kaylee did that. My little sister, Kaylee, she's 15 years old. He said, she took the outside. She wanted to do it, and you have to cross this draw. He said, I crossed the draw. Yeah, I'm on this side of the draw. She's supposed to cross this side of the draw and work the outside over there by the interstate. And he said, I'm waiting on her to come around. I'm waiting on her to come around. I'm waiting on her to come around. She's not coming. So he said, I pulled out my cell phone and I called her. And she answered, hello. He said, where are you at, honey? She said, in a tree. He said, no, really, where are you? She said, in a tree. He said, well, can you get out? She goes, I wouldn't still be in a tree if I could get out. 
He said, honey, are you serious? She said, yes. He said, well, can you just ride forward? Nope. He said, can you go sideways? Uh-uh. Can you go backwards? Maybe. She said, but there's branches all up. She's literally on her horse, and she is hung up in a mesquite tree. And he said, well, you're on Mexico. If you will just lean back as far as you can and just gig him, he's not. he'll get you out of the tree. She said, all right, I'll call you back. <laughs> and hung up the phone. And so he said, sure enough, here she comes later. If you want to see a picture of her on the live stream broadcast right now that we are doing, it's actually her picture that's on the deal. And her shirt is all torn right here from being in that mesquite bush. You know, honestly... I know that a lot of people, a lot of people think that when you come to Christ, man, all you got to do is just say, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to saddle up with you. And all of a sudden, it's going to be this nice little trail ride on good horses, and you're just going to ride along and, and feed your horses apple snacks, and, and people are going to come up and just be nice to you. Uh-uh. It ain't like that, man. When you saddle up, one of the first things you do is you go down that hill that's in Snowy River. It's not the trail through the park, you know, and kids are pushing each other on merry-go-rounds. Da-da-da-da-da, you know, and Ty's singing, I love you, you love, with a cowbell. It's not like that. It's not like that at all. Man, when you start following Christ, it's hard. And you know what? It's not going to get easier. You will be better accustomed to it. Me and my wife were talking about it this morning. She said, well, how do you explain that to people? And I said, well, you know, if you're out there moving cattle with me and Ty, and you've never roped before, Ty makes it look real easy. The other day we were we were out there, and, and it was my turn to rope. And so I peeled this one off, and I come up behind her. And boy, I threw just a nice little loop. We're going to talk about the one I caught. And... um. Through this nice little loop, man, I dallied, kind of got short and everything, and here comes Ty, and here comes uh, Sean, and everything like that. Ty is way over there. They both throw and they miss. Ty just lopes up, catches, and dallies. It's like, he made it look so, so easy, but he's done it a thousand times. Me, when I'm roping, I got reins over here and underneath my leg, and he's yelling at me to get short. I got a rope burn that blurred this actually this finger detached. I put it back on with a Band-Aid. Ty was yelling at me. He had no, no sympathy whatsoever. Blood running down my arm. He's like, Dally, Dally, quit looking down. I'm trying, Ty. But you know what? That, that's the way it is. It's hard when you first start doing it. It's not any easier for Ty. He's doing the same thing. He's just done it so often that he kind of gets better at it. It's still hard. And that's what the Christian life is. When you first start following Christ, man, you may find yourself locked up in a tree just like, I'm out. Where you at? <laughs> Jesus calls you. Where you at? I'm in a tree. If you're in a tree, you're probably riding Fiona. But it is. It's tough. You're going to get scraped up. It's going to be hard, guys. And I don't want to tell y'all, oh, it's just going to be Skittles and rainbows and York peppermint patties. and It's not going to be like that. It's going to be tough. But it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. If you thought you'd come to Jesus so that your life would be easy, then you'd come to the wrong man. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to say a few things that Jesus said. You don't have to turn to them or anything, and if you'd like a copy of it, I'll give you a copy of it. In Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Does that sound like Skittles and merry-go-rounds? And little horses on springs? 
And, I mean, take up your cross daily and follow me. Doesn't sound that doesn't sound easy to me. Matthew ten thirty eight. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Wow. And I thought Jesus was just you know blue eyed and light complected, and nice, and we could just play that little with Jesus. It doesn't happen like that. Luke eighteen twenty two. And Jesus heard this. Then he said to him. One thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. What? Wait a minute. I'm not supposed to sell everything I have. If I come to Jesus, he's supposed to get me a big old house and a big old boat and a big old truck and a big old trailer. Well, maybe not. He might ask you to sell all that. Matthew 10:34. Jesus, once again, man, this guy's wearing us out. He said, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have come to bring a, not peace, but a sword. Man. This guy is tough. Anybody that thinks that Christians are sissies have never read these verses. Luke 22, 31 through 32. He's talking to Peter, but he's talking to us all. Simon, Simon. Jesus is talking to him. He says, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that you, your faith should not fall. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Satan's wanting to sift us like wheat? My gosh. I mean, does this sound like a a mushy-gushy marshmallow Christianity where we can all just hug each other? No, man. Following Christ is tough, but it's worth it. It has an eternal reward. One that nothing that we can go through down here on earth will will compare in comparison. That's pretty legit English. But what we're going to talk about is found in 1 Peter. We talked about Peter right there. Now, when, when Jesus was telling Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you as wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Right before that, he had just told him that he would deny, that Peter would deny him three times before the cock crowed. You know what? So when Peter writes his little letter and tells us what we should do, I think we should listen. 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 through 25 says this. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Wow. Think about this for a second. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now I'm going to give you just a little bit of a hint. He's saying that you're going to suffer too. If you follow him, it's going to be rough, the brush is going to be thick, the days are going to be hot, the days are going to be cold, the days are going to be long, you're going to get calluses on you where you didn't think calluses should go, and it's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. In verse 22, Peter starts saying the examples that Christ did that we should follow. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Now let's talk about those things right there, because what I'm fixing to tell you, if you thought living a holy life was tough whenever you have to think clearly and exercise self-control, and when you have hope in every situation, and when you go check the corners of your life, if you thought that was tough, folks, you ain't going to be able to stand what I'm fixing to tell you, because that was kiddie play compared to this. In verse 21, 
It says, to this you were called. Christ suffered, leaving us an example. Now, this is probably the first, and I'm not going to say the only time, I hardly ever tell you all what a word meant in the Greek. But as I was reading and studying this, I found this to be so amazing. The word example in the Greek, the word whatever it is that they used, what it means in the Greek is when a child learns to write by tracing the letters that, that the teacher had wrote down. That's how they learned to write, by copying exactly the letters that the teacher has wrote. So when it says, leaving us an example, he's, they're saying that you should follow this word by word. This is not an illustration. This is what you should do as Christians. You must follow in his steps. Remember when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. You ain't going to get it going down that wide, easy trail. You're going to have to go through the brush. You're going to get hung up in some trees, and it's going to be hot, and you're going to be dirty, and you're going to be tired. And I guarantee you, most Christians, whenever they get to heaven, they're going to walk in like beat up and bloody. <laughs> Woo! Ah, made it. Because that's what a true Christian is like. That's the life that they live. In verse 22, it says, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Well, you know, we should strive to be sinless, but we're not. Okay, we're not going to be able to be sinless. But that is not an excuse for you to go out and do everything. Well, you know, nobody's perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. Well, he called you to be like him. And if you do sin, it ought to break your heart. It's not just a, ah, it ain't no big deal. Everybody sins. Hmm. No. You ought to hit your knees and beg God for forgiveness. We're not perfect, but we are supposed to be Christ-like. But I love the word and, because it says, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in His mouth. Why do you think that the Bible puts a word and in there? Because they're connected. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in His mouth. The hard way is to quit lying, gossiping, and talking bad about other people. Now we're getting to the tough part. If you thought it was hard just to think clearly and exercise self-control and to have hope and to check the corners, now I'm telling you that you shouldn't be lying to anybody, much less yourself. Quit lying, quit gossiping, and quit talking about other people. It says he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. He didn't ever talk crud about anybody. In Matthew 15, 18, one of the scariest Bible verses, and you all have heard me say this if you've been here for any length of time, out of your mouth flows the true nature of your heart. Thinking about that, out of your mouth flows the true nature of your heart. Let's think about that verse while we read verse 22. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. You know what? This little opening right here gets us in more trouble, doesn't it? If it gets us in trouble, keep it closed. If in doubt, shut your mouth. You will not explode if you don't say anything. I've had some people debate that. But if you die by keeping your mouth closed, I think you've done pretty good. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Now watch what you say in verse 23. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. You know what? Think about that. They were saying bad things about him. They were insulting him. They were asking him to defend himself. He didn't feel the need to. He never said anything. How many times do we plead our case all the time? Well, no, 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 no. Man, just shut your mouth. Quit defending yourself. That is so hard to do, is to quit defending yourself 
and let God do it. If you did the right thing, you don't have to explain it to anybody. Jesus was doing the right thing. He didn't feel like he had to explain everything. Well, look, guys, just, I mean, can't you see it from my side? (laughs) Jesus didn't say that, man. He stood there with his back straight and his head tall. And he's like, man, you know what? I don't do this because of you. I do this because this is what my daddy told me to. And I don't have to explain nothing to you. Now, he didn't say that, but that was his attitude. And I'd like it to be y'all's attitude, too, to do what your father tells you to do, and you ain't got to explain it to nobody. As a matter of fact, if you did try to explain it, I guarantee you whatever God's calling you to, most people will probably not understand it. Because I guarantee you, a lot of people, especially from Texas, they don't understand why a good West Texas-raised boy would leave Texas and come up here. I didn't defend myself or try to explain myself, because that's what God told me to do, and I'm going to do it. You do the same thing. You ain't got to explain yourself. And more importantly than that, when people insult you, you know what? There, there was a, there's an atheist online, and he's a friend of a friend. And this friend of mine had posted during the holy sermon to be holy. He says, he put on Facebook, he said, Kevin Weatherby, he tags me in it. Kevin Weatherby says to check the corners of your life for sin. And you know what this guy put on there right below it? He said, tell Kevin Weatherby. I urinate in corners, but he didn't use the word urinate. That's what he said. You tell Kevin Weatherby that I in corners. You know what I said back to him? Nothing. I gotta explain myself. And I'm not gonna return an insult. You know, the only thing wor- who's the fool when you respond to a fool? Once again, it's holding your face. Just keep it shut. Number one, don't be talking about people. Don't be lying to others or to yourself. Don't be talking bad about people. Don't be doing the Christian prayer request. Well, this person over here, they really need a lot of prayer because, and then you just spill the beans. They don't have to know what everything's going on to pray for somebody. God knows. If somebody says, well, you need to pray for so-and-so, you just say, okay, quit asking for details. Keep your mouth shut. What have we learned so far? If you follow Christ, it's going to be hard. And guys, I'm telling you, you're going to suffer. I know some of you are suffering right now because what happens when you do the right thing? Does everybody come behind you? Oh, that was so good. You did the right thing. (laughs) Most of the time, no. When you do the right thing, man, it feels like no matter what you do, everything just goes to crud. And you're like, golly. That's the way it is. You're going against the flow. Don't start whining whenever the log catches you about right here. It's what happens. Jesus warned us about it. Quit whining. Well, you can whine a little bit, but whine to him. He doesn't mind if you whine to him. Just don't go whining to everybody else. If you follow Christ, it's going to be hard and you're going to suffer. I'm telling you that right now. Second thing, don't try to get back at people. Let God do it. The Bible says to pray for your enemies because when you do that, it's like heaping burning coals on their head. (gasps) Dang, God, that was a little rough, don't you think? I mean, I just wanted them to get a flat tire or something. I didn't really want you to put charcoal on their noggin. But that's what he says. When you pray for your enemies, that's what you are doing. You are heaping burning coals upon their head. No deceit was found in his mouth, and we need to stop lying, gossiping, and talking about others. Quit getting mad and defending yourself or trying to get back at someone that insulted or hurt you. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Man, you let that stuff go. I'm not not saying that you're going to forget about it or anything, but just... Good grief, man. There's more important things to worry about than somebody just because they... So... Go do what you're supposed to do. Quit whining. Get back on. Get out of the tree. Lean back. Spur them.
I worked for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice for many years. I was in prison. Luckily, I was on the good side. <laughs> I was there on purpose. They paid me to be there. <laughs> There's a few things that I've done in my life that it should have been the other way around. But hey, that's that, that was by the grace of God. That, uh, but I was working for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, and I'd gone back home to Big Lake. Um, for the weekend, I don't even remember what I was doing or anything like that, but there was about 30 miles away, there was a little farming community of St. Lawrence. Now, you have two guesses of what was in St. Lawrence. There was a cotton gin and a church, and you've got one guess of what the church was in St. Lawrence. It was a Catholic church. And that, but that was the community center. I mean, that's where everybody came, and they'd have weddings, and they'd have dances there, and it was a really cool place to, to go. And I mean, literally, there, now I take that back, there was a convenience store, a cotton gin, and a Catholic church. That's what St. Lawrence was. And so I was in, I was in Big Lake that time, and, uh, some buddies of mine, they were like, hey man, there's a dance in St. Lawrence tonight. Let's go, man. So we, you know, we all piled in, in, in Kurt's truck, and, and we drove to St. Lawrence. And, um, we get there and there's a dance. All of your friends are there, but not just your friends from Big Lake. There's some friends from Rankin and Garden City and, you know, just other places around there, which can be good and bad when you mix other towns, right? Elbert and Kiowa. And, uh, <laughs> pay attention to the sermon. Uh, anyway, so I'm there and, and I was, I was being a good boy that night. Nothing to drink or anything like that. I mean, I was, I was being, I was trying to be good. I just wanted to have a good time because I knew some of my friends, man, they were hitting it a little hard and there needed to be somebody sober. And so I had not raised my hand and said, I'll be that guy. I just was doing it just because it was the right thing to do. And so anyway, if you can picture the, the dance hall is about this big. And anyway, I'm dancing with this girl. And it is a long time before the love of my life came into my life. And I'm dancing with this girl. And I see a buddy of mine, Caleb Edwards, that used, that he eventually took my spot at Pecos County Cowboy Church whenever I left and came up here. Caleb was the pastor over there. But anyway, Caleb is dancing and I believe it was a girl named Michelle Taylor. And so he's dancing with her. And I knew that there was this guy that didn't like Caleb. And I had seen him kind of, man. So I was kind of keeping an eye on him and I'm dancing. And I was probably only from here to the corner of the stage and I'm dancing. And it happened so fast, but it was in slow motion. Caleb had taken his hat off and put it on the table because he's dancing with Michelle. And he's dancing and Michelle's going backwards and Caleb and he's looking down at her talking. And this guy comes up behind Caleb and open-handed pushes his face real hard right into Michelle's. I mean, just I mean, he did this on purpose to hurt both of them. I never said a word. I just let go of the girl I was dancing with. He no more got his hand back than I pulled a cowboy kung fu move on him. And I came up behind him. He never saw me. And I lifted him by his chin, stuck my leg out, and I pile-drived him head first into the cement. And his eyes rolled back in his head. His eyes were not completely rolled back when about 14 big old boys grabbed me. One of them being the St. Lawrence Deputy Sheriff. Now, nobody had seen what he did to Caleb because it's never the first punch that's thrown. It's always the second one. Well, they grabbed me up, and I mean, that deputy was right in my ear, and I was like, I'm not going to fight. I was. Just, I said, I'm okay, guys, and I, and I walked out, and they got out there. He didn't ask for an explanation or nothing. He said, where are you from? And I said, Big Lake. He said, you go back there right now. Nobody had seen me get thrown out. I mean, very few people. I mean, this place was crowded. It happened over by the front door. I mean, literally, bah, out the door. I didn't have any keys, and this deputy didn't want to hear anything from me. 
So I just said, yes, sir. I was trying to be good. Well, I was trying to be good. And I thought I was doing the right thing. And so anyway, I went out to the back row where Kurt was parked. I opened up his tailgate, and I sat on this tailgate for the next two hours, all by myself, out in a dark parking lot. Yeah, doing the right thing is great. This is awesome. This is awesome. Finally, like 2 o'clock in the morning, here comes all my buddies. Hey, where you been? I was like, y'all just get in the truck. Let's go. Give me the keys. So Kurt gives me the keys. I was like, where's Tony? He's up near the front. All right, let's go get Tony. So we drive up there to get Tony. And Tony sees us coming. And Tony gets in a fist fight. <laughs> Stupid, right? Stupid stuff. And I've got the window down. Tony, get in the truck. Get in the truck. And then I look in my rearview mirror. And here comes that deputy. <laughs> he doesn't say anything to Tony and the other guy squabbling in the dirt. He opens up the truck pulls me out by my neck and handcuffs me on the ground. I told you that you had to leave here, did I not? I never said a word. These guys over here are still squabbling, and he's arresting me. And he said, you're going to jail, smart boy. Lifts me up by my handcuffs, marches me over to the cop car, opens the door, throws me in. Well, great. Here I am again. Here I am again. When you do the right thing, a lot of times it's tough. And next week, I'll tell you how I got out of that jail. Hey, do you have horses? If you do, then you need to call my friends Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitch and Post Hay. This is where I get all of my hay and Fiona loves it. Call them at 303-324-8217 and tell them that you heard about them from Save the Cowboy and they'll donate 5% of the sale to our mission to reach cowboys and cowgirls. Give Hitch and Post Hay a call for premium quality horse hay at 303-324-8217.